Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a question and answer session that followed my discussion about why swords suck. Uh, basically saying they're fun weapons, but they haven't really been strong, not even in D1, unless you ran an exotic and in really specific ways. You know, raise Lighter in the the Death Singer Challenge in Age of Triumph or Dark Drinker against Axis. Dark Drinker actually was only really good against Axis because Axis took damage in a really strange way. Uh, you could use a Warpath, you know, Dead Orbit rocket launcher and get a ton of damage too. And that had nothing to do with the Warpath being an amazing rocket launcher. It was because Axis took damage in like a really strange way. So we're going to transition now to Q&A. Just kind of get thoughts from the community about this and hear what they have to say. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always tune in live, twitch.tv slash rage or follow me on Twitter at Rage. And the first question comes from B-Dog. Do you think Bungie could add a third person mode? I, the only thing I think they'd have to watch here is obviously emote peaking is a problem in you know, any game that lets you emote. Call of Duty, I know people were complaining about it. And then the emote peaking in this game in PvP. I, I don't know. I kind of feel like as soon as you leave PvP, I don't mind if people are able to just toggle a third person mode. That's kind of their choice as a player. Um... I don't know if it would be that popular, though. Obviously, when you get out a sword, that's probably what sparked your thought on this, right? When you get out a sword, it's pretty fun to kind of, you know, jump around. But so much of the satisfaction in this game is getting perks and things to proc on guns. It's one of the most, if not the most, satisfying shooter in existence. I've never quite played a shooter that felt as good as Destiny. Just hitting those crits, popping those heads, getting that fast reload just always feels good. There's something very, very satisfying about it. And I think you lose a lot of that when you go to third person. Now, if it's up to the player, I don't care, honestly. If they say, ah, I don't care about all that, I just want to kind of have fun, run an auto rifle and a shotgun, and I don't really need... Uh, I don't really need the first-person experience. You know, it's up to the player. You'd have to disallow it probably in the Crucible. Um, although, I don't know how much of an advantage it would give you. Because in general, I think a lot of the times, the advantages of 3P aiming with emoting is nice because you're able to do it sort of on command. And being able to do it on command means you can jump right back to first person and have that precise aim and some of those things that are really, really nice to have whenever you're running, you know, a hand cannon or a pulse or something. You'd probably lose a lot of your 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 aim and your precision going third person, and I don't think 3P aiming would be good. Now, the reason you probably, again, though, wouldn't want to allow, how it, allow it to be toggable in PvP, you could have one person who's literally your weaker player just constantly... 3p peaking everywhere and not having to emote and that quick like at least 3p peaking like you know that the person doing it is having to stop and they have to do it and you see it in the feed right it kind of clues you into what they're doing I I don't think it would be that big of a deal but I think you'd probably just want to disallow it in pvp Ekrat says, how to jump without landing in death traps, uh, in a death trap, hang on a second, I'm gonna die to a hobgoblin if I'm, yep, I did, 
Uh, how to jump without landing in the death trap at the end of the haunted forest? I keep getting trapped by it. Go left, skip the first section, and then as and then as soon as the you get past the first section, just jump, and you should be able to make it. Um, you should you should have no issue making it. I'm gonna go with chattering for this. Just having trouble reaching the distance on these guys. Uh, next question. Kill a 3,000. Got any tips for completing all 30 sleeper nodes? No duplicates. I wasn't here for Warmind. Uh, no tips. Use a YouTube video and just go, uh, just go get them all. Um, oh, you mean all four sleep? Oh, the nodes, no duplicates. Okay, here's what I did. Here's what I did. Um, you obviously are going to get somewhere. As soon as you look at it, you know. You're like, I've done this one plenty of times. Whenever that happened to me, just to speed things up, I would just delete that one and go right back into grinding for the keys that you need to make them. So for me, that was the fastest way. Now, I don't know if deleting a duplicate helps my RNG or if it was just, it was, it, it could have just been confirmation bias. Um, I'm not really sure why I got like an extra jump push there. I don't think the push plates are in here. That was really odd. I had like an extra jump push. I think it was a jump cancel glitch, but it happened after I had already jump canceled. It like reinitiated my jump and shoved me. Uh, So that's what I did, and I felt like it increased my RNG. Now, again, it could have just been confirmation bias. Like, man, once I started deleting duplicates, I got this done a lot faster because I got all 40 nodes for the the title. Um... I believe if you create a key in a certain area, you're more likely to get certain locations, not 100%. Maybe that's why it helped me. Maybe I was always creating keys and then deleting them. And then, well, no, because I would just delete and stand there. I mean, I would just keep creating. So I don't know if that's true either, Frank, because I would get one that was a duplicate and then delete it and then create another. Um, I I don't think that has any bearing on it either. I think a lot of times we get into like the the baseball lucky socks thing where we're like, well, I was wearing my lucky socks when we won the World Series, so you know, superstitious, right? You're like, well then I have to always wear these these socks. I, I think we can get that way with Destiny sometimes. But for me that's what worked. So even if it doesn't work, it still speeds up the process. You don't need to go open up duplicates, just delete the key and make another. Valer 18. Do you think Hunter Melting Point should be easy to be applicable on enemies? I mean, no, because it's it's got benefits with the fact that, as far as I know, the way they've created it, you can kind of keep procking it. And that means that it's not it's not actually that difficult to to keep it going if there are ads around. I think you can keep procking it and then basically I think you just keep procking by meleeing, don't you? I'm not actually sure how it works. I don't think it should be any easier though because the hunter already has some really really strong uh DPS builds with respect to uh blade barrage and just constantly getting knife trick. Uh, and if you get Blades of Galanor, like there's a lot of things that makes um, there's a lot of things that makes the Hunter really strong right now. I don't think letting him get Melting Point easier is a, is a good suggestion. Don't do it three. What do you think about evolving exotics where armor and guns change over seasons to keep it fresh? Quest will unlock a new tree. Kind of like the perks, like our supers. I 
I, I see where you're coming from because I do think you want exotics to persist. You want exotics to persist, but the problem there becomes that you're always have like how do you unseat sleeper? How do you unseat unseat the 1K voices, the whisper? Um, these are weapons that are difficult to unseat because just the sheer nature of how much damage they can do. And not just how much they can do, but it's pretty easy to do it. Sleeper obviously is a little bit harder to use now with the aim assist uh, getting you know turned down. But 1k voices is a silly amount of damage on PC especially. I don't know if they're going to fix that on console. I think they need to uh, since it's supposed to be such a great weapon. Um, I, and then your, you, you know, your idea might help upset the established order of powerful exotics because they get kind of established and then that's, that's essentially what you run for forever. Um, so I don't necessarily know if there are, are better solutions to upseating the established order, like just new exotics. You know, the one case kind of made people pivot away from, uh, from certain powerful exotics but I don't know if that I don't know if that's a solution that's always within reach. Mainly because, uh, mainly because whenever you're trying to incentivize people to move away from certain items and certain objects, the, the way to do it is there's two ways, right? You either say this gun's not good anymore or this gun's better. I think saying this gun's better, you're just eventually going to hit a ceiling where you can't get people to pivot away because it's just such a good weapon you're never going to get people to pivot away unless you nerf it and then if you nerf it or you make the weapon bad then people get mad they're like well you gave us this really great weapon and now it's not so great anymore so your idea kind of gets at the heart of that well each season you can have the exotics change a little bit if the result if the result of changing an exotic is that it's weaker so less people used it you're just dressing up a nerf and trying not to call it a nerf. Right? I just, I think there's a power ceiling you're going to hit. You're going to hit a power ceiling where you're like, well, the only way we get 1K voices to get unseated is to do another crazy exotic power weapon. And then that's even stronger than the 1K voices. And that develops another problem. We'll just make the enemies stronger, forehead. That doesn't work either, because then what you're saying is the only way to appropriately damage this enemy that's been legislated to these power weapons is you have to use these power weapons. So then you narrow the viability of what people can use. Oh, well, we made a new exotic power weapon called the Skull Crusher, and it's so strong that people are going to use it over 1K voices and sleeper. Well, it's so strong, it's nullifying every boss fight. Oh, well, we'll make the boss fights harder. Oh, well, you just made the boss fights harder? Now, when anybody runs these encounters, they're going to be like, you need the Skull Crusher exotic, or you're, you're not going to be able to do enough damage. They've just... it. It's very difficult... It's very difficult with power to not paint yourself into a corner. If, if you give us 1K voices and Sleeper and Whisper... That paints you into a bit of a corner. It's like, well, what are you going to create that's stronger than them? And and then when you create something that's stronger than them, how are you then not making that the required gun to use? Or you make everything so strong, we just get into the theater of the absurd where nothing is difficult, everything is turned into tissue paper and ribbons. Um, This is why I think contextual power is enormously needed. If... 
if the 1k voices was a great exotic but it was a, it was at its best in the raid that's contextual power you could do the exact same thing with sleeper you could do the exact same thing with whisper there would be environments where they're contextually the best now that's true with whisper whisper is not a one size fits all exotic and i like that like it's only good against certain bosses it's only good in certain circumstances and that's actually totally fine and well and good but but sleeper and 1k are just so universally strong it just it leads to a lot of it leads to a lot of one dimensional loadouts which just leads to a lot of people only running that one loadout and then they're like oh nice new exotic i don't gen- i don't care your new exotic doesn't matter because there's these weapons over here that are still so so strong people are like are you excited about the thunderlord and that's been my comeback every time is it even going to be remotely strong enough to unseat any of the other amazing exotics in the game the amazing you know damage output that they do because if not then it's just a novelty item you know like the malfeasance right i run malfeasance in gambit and i don't feel like i'm getting some sort of long drawn out questline event weapon benefit at all oh i didn't slam because he slammed i think so for me and this is a difficult thing right malfeasance when i go into gambit when i go into gambit malfeasance should feel almost broken against ads and and blockers it should feel almost broken why that's how you upset the established order how do you get people to put down sleeper how do you get people to put down 1k voices that's how you do it you pivot strategy well yeah 1k voices is great for invading and sleeper is great for invading and they're also great for boss dips but dude i'm shredding anything that crosses my path with the malfeasance i don't know man i think this thing is worth using i'm gonna unseat my exotic you know then you pivot strategy and then there's this viability of like yeah people are running Icolos, but people are also running 1k and sleeper and they're and they're having good luck with them as well there's like a lot of different loadouts like what if telesto and merciless were viable options as well well then you could that's that's player freedom landing on uh on on different loadouts and different power nova hands hey lono i feel like i'm grinding for uh, on pulses and hand cannons is outlaw. Oh, I feel like all I'm grinding for on pulses and hand cannons is outlaw rampage kill clip. What do you think Bungie can do to freshen up the perk pool and make them more viable? We talked about that a little bit this morning. The incoming uh, fix to the Warden's Law may make Warden's Law one of the most popular hand cannons because of fourth times the charm and rampage. Uh, if you can consistently land crits close together, you could potentially have a Warden's Law that you never have to reload. And, as we discovered today, enhanced, enhanced Hand Cannon Reloader makes it tolerable when you don't have reload. Like, this Better Devils right now, that's a tolerable reload without Outlaw. If you run it, unfortunately, this is a little bit of a sad thing. If you run Enhanced Hand Cannon Reloader on the Midnight Coup, Midnight Coup has one of the fastest Hand Cannon Reloads in the game. And that basically makes it feel like you have outlaw all the time. It's the difference between Midnight Coup standard reload with enhanced hand cannon reloader. The difference between standard and outlaw at that point is it's a very minimal difference. It's very, very nice. That's a problem, right? Because that's just making Midnight Coup persist. But if I could run enhanced cannon reloader on a Warden's Law and fourth times the charm gets, you know, 
it's better punch on the gun because they fix how crits register. If they do that, then a warden's law could become a wrecking machine. Because if you're maintaining three times rampage because you just keep constantly you know, landing crits and getting kills and never having to reload. Well, then that, I mean, that says something. Now you got a, now you got a unique way to use the gun. It's related to skill gap and potentially you're getting really, really good damage from a kinetic that isn't possible unless you're maintaining four times the charm because it's a 110. So that to me is how you do it. Fourth times the charm is a unique perk that has a skill gap on it. And I think that sometimes is where you need to pivot. That's why Trench Barrel is so silly. Trench Barrel has zero skill gap. It's not hard. It is not hard at all to barrel stuff and melee to cancel knockback. It just isn't. Um, and I mean, and T-Funk's saying he thinks Dragonfly is better than Rampage, but it needs to be on Kinetic. Right, and I agree with that. That's another, that's another good piece of feedback to Bungie. Man, oh man, Dragonfly is such a missed perk because that's that's basically Firefly. That is such a missed perk. Could we get that? You know, could we get that on some primaries? Yeah, sure. Here you go. But then you you slap it on primaries that are in the energy slot, making it really really difficult to justify use. Because as soon as you slap on an energy primary, you've significantly weakened your loadout. And that is just another piece of feedback for Bungie to see see like, man oh man, we would love we would love to have some of this loadout viability but right now loadouts just still feel heavily slanted towards going with a midnight coup or a better devils you know just a solid connect primary with rampage and outlaw and then after that it's it's just pivot to whatever high rate of fire shotgun you can slap in the energy slot which most people obviously are going to run icolos so I would love, this is why the conversation today is so important. Slap swords in the energy slot. You slap swords in the energy slot, and then you have more viability in your loadouts. You have more strength. Obviously, bring their, you know, their power down a little. Um, SMGs that use special ammo, and they get less ammo, but they're way stronger. Fusion rifles that don't suck. Sniper rifles that don't suck. You know, let us put a Nation of Beasts in our primary slot and give us back elemental primaries so we can carry three elements. Like, that's that would create more diversity in loadouts and people would have a sense of power oh but that would break the game it would not at all break the game and if they need to put it in check go for it the only thing you use your your primary weapon in the energy slot for the only thing you use it for is busting shields so being able to bust shields more you know exclusively is wouldn't wouldn't not change that much at all it just wouldn't so and we have a heavy ammo finder uh an enhanced hand cannon targeting right here i didn't realize i had a helmet with enhanced hand cannon targeting we should probably never get rid of that because we could try um honestly we could try that right now i don't need the the third eye let's try that and might be uh we might feel a difference i think you feel the most difference on this perk in uh in crucible next question cuckoo machu what D1 sword would you like to see in D2 the most? I'm not worried about bringing back D1 swords. I'm worried about making D uh, uh, swords not suck. And I think moving them to the energy slot, lowering their damage a little bit, would make them a more viable weapon choice. Ekrat, what is a quick and easy way to get mods? Also, Banshee always has the same. Um, yeah, the mod economy is in a weird spot. I think, um, obviously, they could easily make mods more obtainable. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you. Uh, I'll tell you a little secret. Just a little secret. 
if you run year one content on the EDs, on like the year one planets, uh, you run you run content like the best I think is a lost sector farm. If you run lost sectors and you get it to drop blue items that don't have the the forsaken symbol on it. Um, those have a high probability of dropping those have a high probability of dropping mod components. So again, you're going to run public events and lost sectors on the year one planets and what you want what you want is you want to get blues to drop that don't have the forsaken symbol on it. Okay? And so when you do that, when you get those from public events and lost sectors and break those down, they seem to have a very, very, very high likelihood of dropping mod components. Whenever I was farming lost sectors for some of the weapons like the Dust Rock Blues, um, I felt that I was getting a pretty good amount of those mod components on a regular uh, basis. So enhanced hand cannon targeting gives better target acquisition, accuracy, and aim down sight speed. I also feel like, I also feel like I'm, yeah, the aim down sight speed is pretty nice. That is pretty fast in comparison to when it's not on. I also feel like it's shooting faster. Maybe it's just my imagination. So that's the fire rate of the better devils with that on. No, it's, it's not shooting any faster. Okay. I'm gonna keep on the the exotic helmet. I I think I think getting those getting those one-eyed mask overshields are pretty helpful. Cruising eleven, Lono, do you feel Bungie needs to learn more, lean more into status effects like the twin-tailed fox, suppressor grenades, queen breakers, blinding effect, uh, but other status effects on weapons? Yeah, I mean, I said this before with with trace rifles, but maybe you could apply this to SMGs if we ever get my wish and we get you know, SMGs that use special ammo. I always said that trace rifles had a lot of uh, potential to be in the game, not just as exotics, but as legendaries. And you could add intrinsic perks. If you do enough sustained arc damage, it creates a blinding explosion. If you do enough void damage, it creates like a mini tether. If you do enough solar damage on a single target, it creates an explosion that does dot damage and maybe debuffs everybody in the area, right? So status effects like that could very, very, like, I think significantly add some of those changes. That's why I said with swords, you could have knockback swords, stunning swords. So a sword that knocks them way back because you want to get them away from everything. Uh, Stunning swords. So it immediately puts them in a stun pattern. Burning swords, bleeding swords, blinding swords. These are all, uh, these are all options I think that are on the table if swords get moved to the energy slot and aren't just all about like power because right now they're not about power I, it, swords probably have I don't even know what their usage must look like in PvE it's got to be it's got to be exceptionally low uh, which again is unfortunate I think swords are cool I think they have a lot of potential uh, to add some cool and exciting differences to the game because right now I feel like all we're doing with swords is putting on quick fang in the crucible and running black talon just for fun black talon just not strong enough to justify number one using a power weapon number two using an exotic you can literally run a non-exotic sword and get the same damage output as the black talon we tested it it's virtually the exact same damage output so if you're gonna put on a sword you wouldn't put on an exotic you'd put on a legendary so then at the very least you could run like a merciless a telesto or a malfeasance or a wish ender or something 
chaperone any one of those. You're not going to run. I just, Black Talon's cool, and I know a lot of people thought, oh man, what a cool weapon, but man, oh man. Or the World Line Zero or whatever. I don't know. Uh, super phenomenal. Hey, Lono, this question's a little off topic, uh, but Gambit since Sleeper in Queensbow is a problem. Do you think removing heavy only while invading would be a good idea? I mean, during my Gambit discussion, a lot of the times and a lot of the, a lot of the, the moments in that discussion, I had to say people were overcorrecting, right? You can overcorrect when your car starts to spin out and you make it spin out more. If you're not, if you're not, if you don't live in a place that gets icy climate and icy roads, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But you can overcorrect. You want to turn into the spin out. So if your car, if you're turning, if you're turning to the left and your car starts to spin out and your back, the backside of your car is is spinning to the left. If you turn to the right and turn into it, it helps you correct the car from spinning out. A lot of people are like, oh no, my car is spinning out and it's going that way. I'm going to keep turning the wheel to the left. You actually make it worse, right? You're overcorrecting. Well, I believe that a lot of the suggestions people come up with is a form of overcorrecting. And in my mind, you have a similar situation in in Gambit when people are like, nerf this, take power ammo out, don't let people invade and use power ammo. I, the nature of invasion is the problem. The weapons themselves, I believe, just expose that problem. It's like really, really strong power up weapons in the Crucible, right? And everyone's like, this power weapon's too strong, that power weapon's too strong. No, power weapons are supposed to be a one-hit kill. They're supposed to be powerful that's their description the problem is the rhythmic presence of power ammo in the crucible those weapons are merely exposing a design flaw in crucible's rhythmic deliverable of power weapon right now and that could be toned down and then that would make people not worry so much about oh i keep getting killed by this power weapon or that power weapon well who the frick cares if it's not showing up as often right so in Gambit, I think one of the best solutions that we had and one of the best suggestions that we had, and I really, really like this, is that when you invade, you are given a relic in conjunction with whatever enemy is there. So it's, it's if it's Hive, you're given some kind of insane sword, or, you know, if it's Fallen, you're given a Scorch Cannon, you know, Siva Charges, something like that. Some type of relic, you could even give people a relic like the one in... Um, vaults of glass for the Templar, you know. So it's like you can sit there and you can kind of tank, you can tank shots and make people waste their stuff on you and play defensively, right? So they're trying to hurt you with their supers or with their with their power weapons, and you make them waste them. And then you have like one big one-off blast with it that you could potentially use to get a multi, um, or a single kill. See what I'm saying? So now invasion is more about mastering a relic than being like, well, this power weapon is broken. Well, if people are invading with one relic and always getting team wipes, and they're invading with another relic and never getting a single kill, then the relics can be tweaked accordingly, and that doesn't affect anything else. That contains it to invasion. It contains the the meta of invasion into itself and can be tweaked in, within itself, instead of being like, "Well, sleeper queen breakers," and then we all we all get mad because people are asking for nerfs. Well, Lono, you ask for Ikelos nerfs. Ikelos being given like less damage against bosses is is a, is a discussion within the hierarchy of all weapons, not the efficacy of one weapon in one game mode. It's a completely different discussion and a completely different argument. So that's my push 
is to change the nature of invasion so it can be tweaked within itself not start nerfing weapons because well let's take Amos's down on one of the best weapons in the game the sleeper because it's too strong in gambit it's too strong in gambit because of wall hacks you take away wall hack or make wall hacks pulsating and all of a sudden sleeper's not that bad it's still bad but it ain't nearly as bad as it is now same with queen breakers same with 1k in flames wouldn't putting swords in the special ammo type weapon remove the ability for bungie to create iconic weapons like the dark drinker and the raise lighter from d1 no not at all not at all telesto merciless you know sunshot these are weapons in the energy slot and they're iconic do they get used not really why well I mean, the exotic power weapons are silly strong right now and so hard to justify putting down telesto and merciless are definitely in a better place since the fusion rifle buff but they're still hurting they're still hurting as weapons as far as like viability and desire to use now telesto and pvp is a problem I think the easiest fix for Telesto in PvP is to leave the gun alone and just say it uses power ammo. You, you can equip it in the energy slot, that's fine, but it uses power ammo in PvP only. Why? It's a one-hit kill weapon, and we've agreed that one kill hit one-hit kill weapons should be in the power slot to maintain that idea of balance. Because then if it's always in the power slot you're dealing with something that only shows up every so often and then again that would allow them to say oh this is the only time this ammo shows up because again well then telesto is just going to be like any other power weapon and people are just going to use it to dominate power and get one hit kills sure and then you adjust how often power ammo shows up and now you're again you're dealing with a rhythm of ammo delivery instead of saying this gun's too strong it's supposed to be strong it's an exotic it's supposed to be strong it's power weapon etc like these are discussions that are better suited for mechanical changes than weapon nerfs, I think. Again, some of that's my opinion coming through, but since we're all gun-shy of nerfs, I think there are ways, like, when people are like, don't nerf Ikelos, you don't necessarily need to nerf Ikelos, you could just say, high rate of fire shotguns shouldn't, just according to basic logic and reason, they just shouldn't do tons of damage to bosses, because they're pellets. Like, pellets just shouldn't be a viable option against, you know, against big armored bosses. Just like using pellets against a big giant rhino or elephant wouldn't work either, even though they're great against small game when you're hunting. So. The Mr. Casper, uh, Mr. Casper, Lono, I'm struggling with a good build for Blade Barrage. Do you have any advice? First time commenter, great stream. Thank you. Uh, I like to run Ophidius Faith. That's the chess piece that gives you two blades. And then what I do is... I constantly try to get one kill and then another kill with the uh, with the blades. Because if you get a kill during the playing with fire, it gives you your blades back faster, and that's really, really great. Now, the key to Ophidius Faith is that when you dodge near enemies or when you get playing with fire to refill your blades, you get both blades back. So you're just constantly throwing with knife trick. Now, if you can get the exotic uh, shards of Galanor, it's inconsistent and sometimes kind of broken, right? The, uh, we just got a full auto accurized rounds, quick draw, retold tail. I don't know if full auto is even worth using though. This thing with full auto and assault mag might be kind of fun, but it, it, it didn't roll that way. I don't even know if it can roll assault mag. 
So that's my advice for a, a Blade Barrage build. Cuckoo Machu says, what do you think could be done with Acreus? I'm having trouble choosing it over other options unless I'm just goofing off. Yeah, I mean, Acreus is kind of in a weird spot too. Acreus is kind of in a weird spot too. It doesn't make sense as a weapon, to be honest. I never thought it was that good. It was only good in Crucible because it, because of what it could do at range. And, you know, and obviously with how strong it is. Now it kind of feels lost. It just feels lost. Number one, it's a slow fire rate shotgun. Number two, it's an exotic. Uh, all, all, everything in its, everything in its field is better, right? Every shot, it, like, Ikelos is better than it if you want to run a shotgun. Well, I want to run an exotic power weapon. Every exotic power weapon is better than it. I mean, there's that's not a question of opinion. That's your opinion. No, 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 no. Like mathematically, you can go into all the different instances in game in, in Destiny and use Acreus, and then use all the other power weapons, and you can measure their damage efficiency, their DPS, all of it, right? And you're always going to conclude that Acreus just doesn't have a place in the game anymore. Is that okay? Uh, probably. I mean, maybe they should just avoid such niche weapons, or if they're going to use niche weapons, you could create contextual power. So, Acreus could have had a perk on it that made it just unbelievably stupid in the Leviathan Raid, which that getting left behind makes sense because we leave behind the raids. And then you could say in its season, it was amazing. You, you, once you got it, you felt that, man, I love having this. I take it in the raid and I'm just, I explode you know, the shields off of the Cabal phalanxes, and it's great against the dogs, because any damage against, you know, yellow bars refills it or something. I don't know. They could have done stuff to it that made it silly on Leviathan, and then it getting left behind doesn't bother you, because you're like, well, it was amazing during Leviathan, but now there's a uh, 1K Voices is the new exotic, the new raid exotic, and 1K Voices is insanely strong. You know, while I'm in while I'm in the Last Wish raid, but 1K Voices in other places is is it's good, but not as not the absolute best. Oh my gosh, you have to have it, right? Well, no, the exotics are supposed to be like that. Oh my gosh, you have to have it. You're gonna run out, like you just are. You can only have so many exotics that blow your hair back. Eventually, you're going to run out. Like, what are you going to... How are you just going to keep creating weapons that blow your hair back, you know, forever? No, I mean, eventually, you kind of tap out of making each archetype of a gun viable or fun or very strong. Suros Rage. Do you think button combos that deal bonus damage when performed could be added to swords to give them a power boost and a skill gap? Um... Yeah, maybe. I think my only concern with that is you're kind of leaving Destiny when you add button combos like that. I don't know. I like I like where your head's at, but again, if I can get out of 1K voices and just hold the button down and do a crazy amount of damage like that, like, oh, I don't have any. <laughs> if I can just do a crazy amount of damage... Why am I ever, ever, ever gonna put that away and get out something where if I miss up the button presses, I don't get it, I don't get optimum damage. You know what I mean? Taking the path of least resistance is is pretty much what everyone does in life, in business, uh, in damage strategy for PvP, for PvE. Like that's just basic life. It's a survival instinct, you know. You're gonna go to 
the 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 part of the forest where there's the least amount of predators and there's the most amount of food you're going to go where it takes the least amount of work to get the most amount of food so you're not wasting energy and drawing attention to yourself these are survival instincts that we have you know innate in us that we apply to other things and so what gun will do the most amount of damage in the, in, the, in the smallest amount of time? You know, like a lot of shotgun or 1K voices. And so, um, unless the correct combo does more damage than anything else. Yeah, I mean, that'd be the only way to kind of justify it, right? Because you'd have to be like, this amount of damage is worth risk reward, right? If I mess this up, I'm not going to get any damage. But man, oh man, if I pull it off, the flourish is amazing and I do a ton of damage and I use all my power ammo you know it's a one shot thing like do you remember playing like those old those old button button masher side scrollers like uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and if you use your super you can only use it every once in a while and it like takes some of your health like you have you have like your really strong attack right and your really strong attack does this does this thing where you know, you you consume some of your health and stuff like that. They could do something similar here where it consumes all of your power ammo. But if you pull it off, it's it's like a miniature super. It's like it's like hitting somebody with blade barrage. I don't know. Stuff like that I think you could consider doing. I actually think the easiest solution again is just to put put swords in the energy slot so they could be a viable option to you know, up close quick damage on majors decent damage against bosses uh you know a nice viable option uh for those instances killer panda hey lono i can't seem to find out how to do this was just wondering if you knew i've noticed on some players there's also a purple name under their gamer tag do you know how they do this yeah go to your triumphs go to your triumphs and at the bottom at the bottom of your triumphs page there are seals uh, there's the Wayfarer, the Dredgen, the Unbroken, the Chronicler, Curse Breaker, and Riven's Bane. Okay, so I have 13 out of 22 on on Wayfarer. I come into Wayfarer, and I actually have some more here uh, to click through that I have gotten, and I have some that are left over. Heroic Adventures completed on Mars Five. I'm missing a lost sector uh, on Nessus. Uh, more heroic adventures on Titan, uh, lost sectors of heroic adventures, heroic adventures, and then complete the associated badge on the collection screen in order to claim this triumph. This is destinations curse of Osiris and Warmind. So I need to track that and figure out how I'm supposed to do that. Um, I don't actually know. I'd have to go in here and figure out what that is. Looks like I could actually get the Wayfarer one fairly simple. It's just a lot of, it's just a lot of, uh, lost sectors and adventures for the most part when you do that you get that purple name beneath your uh beneath your name amish milkman what are your fears and hopes for destiny 3 as we get closer to the series uh my biggest fear is that the engine and lack of dedicated servers limits the size and scope of the game that's always going to be my concern is that they have their heads on straight now with respect to saying this is exactly how the game should feel with respect to rpg elements and grind the only thing they're really lacking now is depth and diversity within the incentives themselves, right? We've talked about this a lot. The lack of perk diversity, the the lack of the... There's just a lot of things that... Respecting player investment before is hurting player investment now. I mean, we put on a pair of enhanced 
enhanced hand cannon reloader gauntlets. And I was like, wow, I'm using them right now, right? If I don't get outlaw, it's actually not that bad at all on a better devils. It makes the warden's law tolerable. It's not a terrible reload. It's like a default reload on most hand cannons. Uh, with no with no buff to gauntlets okay then we pulled the midnight coup out which has probably the second fastest reload on a hand cannon in the game uh with it being masterworked it's like 67 or something uh and it basically makes the midnight coup feel like it always has outlaw the difference between midnight coups reload and outlaw when you have on enhanced gauntlets there's like a very very minimal difference and that minimal difference to me is problematic. It's like, here's one more reason that Midnight Coup is just the weapon to keep using, and it's from Vanilla Destiny 2. It's from Vanilla Destiny 2. You literally get this gun from the launch raid, uh, and, uh, and and now that they've made it so you can buy it periodically uh, from, from Benedict... It's, it's not even difficult to get, like, right? Run an old raid and then just go grab it when he's selling it, and you have the best hand cannon in the game. Some people would say, that's great, keeps the old content viable. I, I, I just, that's a fear I'm always going to have is, how can, how can Bungie get people accustomed to the idea that you can't always have your gear with you from, you know, whenever you first got it. It's okay to leave things behind. It's, it's okay. Um, it's okay to chase new things. It's a loot pursuit game. And those those things just feel like they're always going to be in a little bit of a tension with each other because you have people that spend a large amount of time grinding for a weapon and grinding for that weapon is difficult and being that it's difficult, you want to you want to keep using it. The question is how long is long enough to where you can say, okay, it's okay to leave this weapon behind now? Because apparently an entire year isn't long enough, right? And this is where, and this is where perceptions kind of everyone's reality, right? Well, yeah, it, it's a year old weapon, but I just got it three months ago, or I just got it two weeks ago. Sometimes I want to push back on that and be like, um, I don't really care. You know what I mean? I don't really care if. If you, uh, if you just got it, you were late to the party. That's not on everybody else. You know what I mean? But I also understand why Bungie doesn't want to just eliminate everything from feeling good because they want to make the new stuff feel better. I think that's always going to be the biggest challenge is that falls into the spectrum that I've always said the game falls into. The game falls into this spectrum of satisfying the hardcore and the casual player. And that's what I'm talking about right now. Like, the hardcore player is totally fine with being like, yeah, that's fine. I mean, I was hardcore. I was in there from minute one going for raids and raid completions. I've had Midnight Coup for for nine or ten months. I'm okay with leaving it behind, right? Hardcore player wouldn't mind. Why? You give them new stuff to chase, they're playing a lot anyway. They're going to get all the new stuff to chase relatively quickly. And then and then they're they're happy. But there's always those other people on the other end of the spectrum that are like, absolutely not, dude. Like, I just got this. I, I, I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose this thing that I just spent all this time uh, going for. Um, so that I, that was my fear for Destiny 2, and Destiny 2 fell into the pit of casual, like, casual, casualification. Just 
too much casualification. No reason to do pretty much anything. No reason to really care about anything other than um, other than just collecting stuff and being done. Right? They fell into casualification. People are really upset now. They watch my videos and they're like, stop arguing for the hardcore player. And I'm like, that's the only reason that the game's even being played by good numbers right now is because the hardcore players got annoyed and complained and got their way. And if you had your way, we wouldn't have Forsaken. We would have more easy to obtain legendaries and Destiny dress up where armor doesn't matter and there are no perks, there's no investment, there's no god rolls, there's no anything. So that's my fear for Destiny 3 though is that you always are going to have those folks that are like, I put time in, don't take my stuff away. And somebody had a really good idea yesterday where what if items were marked and it's like, this item is amazing, but it's not coming with me when new content comes out. And I know that when I get it, right? I know that when I get it. Ikelos Shotgun. Let's imagine that they did this. Let's imagine that they told people, listen guys, Ikelos Shotgun is designated as a year one weapon. And a year one weapon, they, I think they called it like Evergreen or something. If it's not evergreen, it doesn't get to come with you, right? It gets left behind. Or maybe I'm flipping it backwards. Basically, the idea was informing the player, informing the player that they they don't get to bring that weapon with them. And that basically lets the player know, I can grind for this, but I know it's getting left behind. But also then on the other side of it, like I can grind for this, but I know it's going to come with me. And get and, and and you know carry on because within each archetype like i always told people i was like within each archetype i said they painted themselves into a corner a long time ago it's like you made pinnacle weapons i said this a long time ago i was like you made a pinnacle weapon in the midnight coup and that's why i said random rolls when they bring random rolls what did i say i was like they're gonna have to have a whole lot of perk diversity and a whole lot of new perks because within the archetype of hand cannons midnight coup is not going to suddenly not be god tier because you can randomly roll other hand cannons with two active perks you know what i'm saying so it's like no like it's not you can't suddenly make better hand cannons just because you say so like oh it's better why because it is no it's not Oh, well, you can put mods on it. Mods are too marginal in their benefit. There's more perks on it. Okay, that doesn't matter. The combination of Outlaw Rampages is too good to let go of. And I'm basically grinding for, what, a hand cannon with the exact same, you know, perks. So I'm not grinding for anything new. So this is the Fatebringer problem, right? They made the Fatebringer so good that they had to leave it behind because you wouldn't have used anything. You wouldn't have used anything in Crota or House of Wolves. You just you'd have been like, nah, just leave it behind. You know? Now I think you could could you ascend Fatebringer? I can't remember when they let you No, Fatebringer got left behind until Age of Triumph, and then it was it came back as an exotic. It didn't even come back as itself. It came back as an exotic. I don't think you could ever bring it up. Ascension was for some was Ascension something that brought Fatebringer up? Because I remember going for a Fatebringer during House of Wolves I don't know why I would have done that um, during House of Wolves unless I was just being collectivist. It was just something fun to do on stream, I think. So, next question. Uh, Kamen, Kamen no Uni. 
I don't really like the idea of a sword being any energy for PvP, especially Quick Fang on Hunters. Those are already pretty obnoxious to deal with, or would certain swords remain in the heavy slot? Yeah, I left this out of my talk, and I should have left it in there. This, again, is where you would treat it You would treat it like the Telesto. Telesto should go into PvP and just be treated completely differently. Telesto should only get its ammo from Power Bricks, and swords should be the same in PvP. Right? Well, why? Well, it's a one-hit kill weapon. Well, so are shotguns. Okay, there you go. There's your answer. You would treat it. You would treat uh, a a sword like shotguns, right? I mean, what you would get enough to do like two kills, you know, get enough to get two kills, and then that's it. That's the end of it. Um, and then you gotta respawn with more energy ammo. Now that could be really frustrating because of quick fang, right? People would just run quick fang and just literally run around the map and get kills and then wash, rinse, repeat. They just keep doing that over and over and over and over again, and that would be, you know, infuriating uh, to deal with. So, again, I, I like PvP is the biggest problem always when we try to come up with these solutions. PvP is always knocking at the door, and it's like, Lono, if you put grenade launchers or swords in the energy slot, it's gonna ruin PvP. And I'm always just kind of like, okay, another good idea that we can't put in the game. Why? Well. It'd ruin PvP. Swords in the energy slot? Sounds pretty dope. Really wouldn't hurt any PvE content. You know? Telesto? Not really that strong. Not really a problem in PvE content. Go over to PvP and you're like, it's a one-hit kill weapon. It's basically a power weapon in disguise in PvP. You know? So, good ideas just always just die on the hill. They just die on the hill of PvP. You know, all right, well, scrap that idea. It would sounded really great, you know. Can't do it, though. Can't do it. Just remove exotics for PvP. Quick Fang's not even an exotic, though. Legendary sword that gives you increased agility. So, you could say that the other way around. No, you can't say that the other way around, because this is a primarily PvE game. Look at your director... Go look at your director, and I want you to tell me this is not a PvE game. Here's your Crucible. Everything else, everything else is PvE, and that this is a PvP game mode in disguise, right? PvP has the least amount of engagement. It has the least amount of content. It like it doesn't. It, it you can't say it the other way around. This is this is a game that at its core is PvE. You look at the guns, you look at the perks, you look at the subclasses, you look at the loot, you look at the amount of content that we get delivered, you look at how they promote new content, and it's never centered around PvP. Ever. Well, PvP kept the game alive. No, it didn't. You think that because you watched Twitch. PvP has always had the least amount of engaged players, and it always has the least amount of content, and the smaller loot pool, and the smaller loot drive. Always. There should be more PvP, just like in D1. There's more PvP in this game than there was in D1, save Trials. Save Trials, when you click on this, there's way more PvP than you had in D1. It's about the same, actually. It's about the same, actually. Let me take that back. It's about the same. It, 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 there wasn't more PvP in, tri- in D1. There was Trials, so... Sure. There isn't a lot of PvP content. Once Trials comes back, I think PvP could top PvE. No, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. At PvP, at, at Trials' height... 
PvE always has the most engagement. Always. PvP will never top. Ever. It'll never top PvE. It's not possible. It, it's just, it's virtually impossible. There, you're, you're fighting a mathematical improbability. There's so much to do in PvE. People boot up and they play strikes, nightfall, patrols. Uh, they do, like, whatever the event bounties are. Um... They, they do adventures. They do what, what, whatever the case may be. And then you look at PvP and you're like, eh, quick player or competitive. That's it. It just doesn't appeal and it has never appealed. The franchise is too old at this point to turn that rudder. The franchise is too old. The, the, the community is too established and dug into what they like. You're not suddenly going to have this new swath of like hundreds of thousands of players because you bring back trials. They're just going to pivot on the weekends, which maybe on the weekends you might see. I don't know. Weekends do very, very, very well. They do very, very well for PvE. Uh, speaking of swords suck, here's a really cool looking sword, a by the return, and uh, no real reason uh, to use it. Uh, you lack an offering. I sure do. I sure do. Next question. DBL Diesel, I haven't seen Bungie post anything about possible sandbox update. Any thoughts from previous experience that if they are even currently working? Also, uh, what do you think if we went back to the D1 style of primary, secondary, and heavy versus this mix-up we have now? Would that not solve most of the issues? It would solve a ton of the issues. Their whole thing about, like, you can run three shotguns if you want. You can put this here and this here if you want. That was such a freaking magic trick that they pulled on us. That was so much sleight of hand. Like, I don't think they did it on purpose, but it was like accidental sleight of hand. Everyone just, like, our eyes popped out of our heads. We're like, holy frick, that's so much freedom. Bungie's like, we don't want to go back to primary, secondary, and heavy. We feel like that's a step backwards. I got news for you. This system that they've implemented is a step backwards. This is not superior to primary, secondary, and heavy. It's confused, muddled, and not good. It is confused and muddled and not good. What the frick? Primary with the primary ammo, and then I got a primary with the special ammo, and then I got a secondary with the special ammo, but then I got a secondary with the primary ammo. Oh, wait, Lono, you said all that wrong. It's a kinetic weapon, but it uses uh, special ammo. Okay, but don't kinetic... Don't kinetic weapons get benefits from basically being primaries because most of their damage that you're trying to do is is critical damage? You see what I'm saying? Like, the way they structured, like, kinetic energy and power was like this, this mimicked version of D1. And so when you run a primary gun here, it gets benefits from being a primary gun because it gets more damage. It gets a better crit multiplier. You want a better crit multiplier on your shotgun that most of the time you're not getting lots of efficient crits on? Now, maybe you can make that argument for snipers, but, like, you don't have fusions up here. You have a couple snipers. They're not really worth using, right? And then you come down here, and you're like, okay, this is my secondary. No, it's not, Lono. It's your energy. Oh, okay, whatever the frick that means. That means it has an element on it. But it's an energy primary, Lono. Isn't that better? No, it's not. It's inferior. It's confusing to the common player. It's inferior for loadouts. This is not a step forward. We have taken a step backwards. You, you'll ne- you will never convince me. 
Because think about it like this. Think about it like this. Go back to D1. Imagine we're in D1 system, okay? Then your issue is not, because think about it, then I would have my Nation of Beasts up here. I would have my age-old bond up here. I'd have my trust, my waking vigil. I'd have my bows up here, all up here. And then you could tweak them within their given system and say, okay, bows need to be brought up a little bit because, you know, functioning as a primary weapon, they're not really working that well. Okay, down here in the energy slot, yeah, fusions aren't really keeping up with high rate of fire shotguns, so we need to do this to them. Snipers, same difference, blah, 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 blah. It's so much harder to do because you're like, well, energy hand cannons, they're viable, but they're not, so we'd have to tweak them down here, but then they're shield popping and they have elements on them. It's just, I just don't think this is a superior system at all. It isn't. It, it was so much sleight of hand. You can put this gun here, that gun there. It was sleight of hand. It was sleight of hand. We can't really do that. Number one, you'd be an idiot to run three shotguns. Number two, same with three snipers. That freedom doesn't mean anything because it doesn't do anything. Right? (laughs) That'd be like telling me I could run three swords. Oh, okay. Right? I, I, I can put a sweater on my head when it's cold outside and a sweater on my chest and I could go buy a really big sweater and put it on my legs. I would look like an idiot and I really wouldn't be keeping myself warm in the most efficient way. But Lono, you can wear three sweaters. Yeah, and I look dumb and I'm not staying warm. <laughs> it just doesn't work. A sweater on your legs? No. Yeah, it fits, but it doesn't. Seriously. This system is not a step forward, it's a step backwards. So, I want to see it change. Why do you think my most popular and most agreed with video since Forsaken came out is a wep- is a video titled The Energy Weapon Problem? The Energy Weapon Problem. Because people are people are like, "Yes, energy weapons are dominated by this son of a gun and even if I don't put on that son of a gun I'll put on a high rate of fire shotgun why run trust why run vigil why one run age old bond or nation of beast why run them because then I got to go up here and either run double primary like a doofus or run or run it year one weapon here comes forsaken end game loot incentive random rolls mods masterwork all this end game investment and what are we running we're running gear one builds Right? We're running year one builds. So even if you disagree with me, that's an objective fact that people are running the most efficient builds or year one builds. That's math. That's not Lono's opinion. Pure mathematical fact that you cannot deny if you put on a Midnight Coup, Ikelos Shotgun, and either 1K, uh, Sleeper, or Whisper. So the only Forsaken item getting used is, is the 1K. That's math. That's just basic math. But you don't have to always be at an optimum build. Ooh, that's so frustrating. That's the incentive of an endgame player going for god rolls, masterwork, and mod combinations is to build an optimum build, or at least a build that compares with an optimum build. That incentive dies very quickly when you're like, I just spent all this time going for this god roll hand cannon or, or pulse, and it's an energy weapon, and when I run it, my build is immediately weaker. So, I've been on this sandbox, this soapbox sandbox, I've been on this soapbox for a while because it relates to this question. 
this weapon system is not superior. It is grossly inferior to what we had in D1. Because they've created, they've created a, a sweet and dope awesome system. Like, I praise their curated roll system so much. Like, it's dope that I can go into the raid, and this is the curated Nation of Beasts. Awesome, sweet. It's clearly whispering, Fatebringer. It's like, that's cool that they did that, right? But if you want an outlaw rampage instead, or whatever combination you want, random rolls gives you that ability. Then you can also go for different masterwork combinations with mods. This is such a dope system that shines beautifully in the old weapon loadout system. In the old weapon loadout system, this gun shines beautifully, and right now it's just sharply diminished by an inferior weapon system and an energy weapon problem. So D1 loadouts were not better than D2 year two. You're not actually engaging with what I'm saying. I'm saying the old system of primary, secondary, and heavy gives all these guns, these mods, these combinations, these god roll pursuits, these curated rolls, they get way better traction in the old system. Instead, you've got a system that hasn't added any life to end game engagement. Why? Because everybody's running year one gear because year one gear was brought with us, has perks that are just as good, if not better than the perk combinations you can get now. End game incentive just, just dies. This is grossly inferior because you have things that don't even make sense. Like shotgun, fusion rifle, sniper rifles down here meant for mid-tier damage, meant for mid-tier enemy engagement, right? And then you have then you have primaries down here too that aren't meant for that. Well, Lono just throw a mid-tier weapon on your primary in your in your kinetic slot. Okay, let me do that with none of the weapons that are in Forsaken. Let me throw on a perfect paradox. Let me throw the snipers that they give you like it's a it's a grossly inferior system. It's confused and muddled. It doesn't answer it doesn't answer the problems that we were facing in D1 year 1. You can't deny that year 1 year 1 loadouts are far more viable and you can't deny that there aren't there aren't suitable exchanges on kinetic when you run a primary on your energy slot. See money. I know crucible is not really your thing. How do you have any thoughts on the frequency of the amounts of heavy that shows up? I, if I'm saying power ammo is showing up too often and so is triple rec, I'm pretty sure you got a, a pretty wide gamut of, of experience, opinion, and skill level landing on a problem. If we're both saying the same thing, you can probably take that to the bank. You can probably take that to the bank. I, the, it's just showing up too much. It's just showing up way too much. I'm gonna switch to my uh, my warlock and work on these uh, other other uh, bounties that should be refreshed now. Uh, rever, rever, a oh, rev rampage, rever rampage. Why is every top tier exotic power weapon solar? One K voices sleeper whisper. Are they afraid of void because of the tractor cannon? Um, why no other options outside of Darcy or for Ark? Yeah, we talked about this yesterday. If you really think about PvE loadouts in general, PvE loadouts in general uh, feel kind of strange. And the reason they feel kind of strange is because you... Everything... Every every subclass that's solar feels more suited. It feels far more suited uh, for PvE endgame content. Far more suited. And I'll explain what I mean here. Um, the the blade barrage from the blade barrage from the hunter is dumb and stupid strong in all PVE content. Very very strong. 
because of the super. Melting point on a titan is insanely strong and almost needed for any melt strategies that you have. Well of Radiance on a Warlock, especially with Phoenix Protocol, is basically broken. Not broken in a bad way, but like just broken. It's 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 mega, mega effective in all endgame PvE content. So for whatever reason, Solar got into like a theme with PvE and I don't know why. Now, Orpheus Rig Tether, sure. But Solar is still really, really, really strong if you're going for any kind of maximum damage on a boss. Um, I don't know why that's happened. Again, you're, you're on to something, obviously, right? Like, they don't want Tractor Cannon to, to hurt too much. Because if you had... Like, what if the 1K Voices was Void? Can you imagine running three 1K Voices in a Tractor Cannon? I don't know. So... Uh, Blades isn't strong in Riven, good for adds, but there are better supers. No. Raiden Flux is not good. Uh, Raiden Flux Arc Strider is not good for the Riven fight. Tether is nice, but really not necessary. There's never a huge collection of adds. I would argue that Blades is actually, Blade Barrage is actually the best hunter super for the Riven fight because you're able to, especially if you get your hands on Shards of Galanor, uh, you're really, really able uh, to get a lot of the the like the ogres you can just get rid of them and that's a really really huge help in that room or like really anything honestly you have good collections of ads and you could use blades uh blades in the room against the ads and then up along to the um to the eye of riven so i would actually say that tether makes the least amount of sense, and Arkstrider makes even less sense. I mean, I guess you could run Raiden Flux in the room and kill, try and kill multiple ogres. I'd grant you that. But Blades is just so nice. Like, you just delete an ogre, and if you have shards on, you're going to get a lot of your super back. That's really, really helpful. Especially if you're going for damage and you have somebody who doesn't have Whisper yet, and they can blade one of the one of the ogres that's problematic during damage and just have them just delete the ogre. Yeah, Goldie's really strong too. Some people run Goldie so they can insta stun, uh, insta stun Riven. So maybe that's what maybe that's what T Funk means is you don't need to run Blades, but you're still you're still going back to square one of my point, which is that Solar subclasses are just dominating PVE right now. Um, now an Ursa Furiosa Titan could be pretty good because he's constantly getting his super back and he's just protecting you. And that's with with six with six people, you don't need that many you know melting points. But generally speaking, having an extra melting point in a pinch is always good. Because melting point is just silly. Uh, T-Funk, do you think legendary swords ruin swords? Exotic swords could be strong because they're exotic. Now with legendary swords, they all seem weak. Do you think legendary sword should be energy, exotics, and heavy? Yeah, but I mean, you'd, if you did that, you'd have to really, really bring up the exotic swords. Black Talon, does, you, just, you can't put on Black Talon and feel like, man, I am so glad that I, I took off my Sleeper or my 1K Voices or my Whisper. It's because I put on Black Talon or the, the World Line Zero. They're just not strong enough. So you'd have to really bring them up. So you could say Exotic Swords are getting a huge damage buff and then Legendary Swords are getting slotted into the energy slot. Again... You, you know, obviously Quickfang has got everybody terrified when I'm saying this. They're like, oh my gosh, Quickfang in the Crucible would just be such a nightmare. Maybe this would only be PvE changes or something. I don't know. Um, Eris Morn returned to the Vestian Outpost. Why did it say that? Why did it just tell me that Eris Morn has returned to the Vestian Outpost? Did I get some kind of triumph or lore? Hobbit Spartan. I do think if they moved energy 
slots, it would need to be more powerful than a shotgun because of the risk you are taking right up in the enemy's face. Is this ideal for PvE? Also, since we're on the topic of swords and content in general, how would they be balanced in PvP? Faster, uh, would they be a faster melee instead of being melee? Pause melee, would it be quick swipe swipe? Yeah, I mean... Oh, that was just lore? Okay. I just touched on the PvP aspect, so I'm not going to repeat myself, but as far as it being stronger than shotguns, yeah, I mean, I would agree with that, at least the initial swing. I will say, though, that if you get that initial swing on an enemy, it generally starts the stun pattern so they can't knock you back, and you can do the swing from way back, and it procs on the enemy and kind of pulls you forward. It's kind of like when you melee, and you feel like you're out of melee range, and the melee lands pulls you right to the enemy anyway and you're like yo whoa it kind of takes you by surprise especially if you're trying to do knife trick on the on the way of a thousand cuts um that happens an awful lot too uh so I would say I would say that that is a that is a that is a potential that you wouldn't have to necessarily make them super stronger than shotguns shotguns in general are fine until it comes to boss damage just Shotguns are just doing way too much damage to bosses, and that that's a problem, basically because you're giving people the ability to almost have two power weapons. Um, it just isn't that hard. It just isn't that hard to use um, shotguns against bosses because of the nature of the content, and that 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 in and of itself is a hierarchy problem because. You just, you shouldn't, like, barrel stuffing bosses should not, shouldn't, shouldn't feel as strong as it is now. What I just did with this slow rate of fire full auto shotgun against a major, like, that should feel effective. Why? Like, look at the ammo consumption that I'm using. Four or five shots out of what? The total that you get is usually like, what, 16? Using like a third of your ammo on a major and then he's dead? Like, yeah, I, that's... I think that's that's adequate and then he's gone and that's a good thing that's a rhythmic pain point you know they're kind of in the mid-tier using a mid-tier uh weapon on them that's why double primary was so stupid we had nothing for the mid-tier like zero we had zero things for the mid-tier um and you want to see those mid-tier options because there's so many mid-tier enemies uh, you want to see those guys being able to dispatch them quickly. That's why they shoot slow, right? They're mid-tier enemies. If they shot fast, it would be ridiculous. Son of a Bastion, yesterday I soloed the Nightfall with bow and arrows, including shooting spaceships down with five arrows. Do you think bows and arrows belong in a space shooter game? Uh, they're fun. They're fun, but it, it does feel kind of weird, if I'm honest. And they feel like they're getting kind of ignored already. They're troublesome in PvP, especially the Wish Ender, because you can get almost guaranteed crit hits on people because of the wall hack. Uh, so in general, I think that I think that bows are kind of in a weird place. I feel like bows are in that weird place that uh, bows are kind of in that weird place that sidearms and uh, SMGs are in. It's really hard to justify ever using. It's really hard to justify ever using SMGs and sidearms in PvE. But they actually do okay, and in the right hands, they're 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 gruesome in PvP. You know, watch Ogre 2 play, and I think he still runs a I think he still runs an antio. You know, watch him play and you'll see like 
SMGs are great. SMGs in in PVE not so great. I might have missed some subs here. Uh, Omniverity with three months of subs. Thank you so much, sir. That is a blue badge. And Tfun gifted a sub to Skybud. Thank you for doing that. Welcome to the Rage of Skybud. Next question. Uh, Titan. Swords have a perk where multiple hits add more ammo. What if they had a perk like Rampage, multiple hits, stack damage? Yeah, that's why I said you could even have like different types of swords. And that kind of touches on it. That would be like, a, you know, you could call that a searing sword or something. And searing swords do that. Like if you manage to hit rapid hits, you get like a Rampage. You know, you get searing, you get searing damage. You know, that would be pretty cool. Knockback, blinding, you know, all those would be fun, I think. Romera, what do you think about giving a slight increase in the chances of receiving exotics from the weekly powerful primes for people that are max light so they have a greater incentive to grind all uh, other than just raiding or the occasion one to do the nightfall exclusives? Or do you have other ideas? I mean, if you hit 600 and you feel like you're done with the game, you're touching on an outlier or not an outlier. You're touching on a symptom of something I was I've been ranting about already today. You like there's nothing drawing you. That's a loot incentive problem, right? You you like with the with the with the way they set this up, with the way they set this up with god rolls and with and with, you know, mods and masterwork and and potential, you know, curated rolls and all those combinations. You should, you should 100% be feeling motivated to chase stuff. Stuff that you don't have yet. And that hasn't happened. There's a reason that hasn't happened. It hasn't happened because you don't need to. There's so much superior gear in the game that you already have your hands on. If you're like, no, I just don't want anything. I actually don't have a lot of that stuff. Well, that's just weird in general. Like, it's a loot pursuit game. So, But if you have pinnacle gear from year one, that is one of the reasons you don't really see yourself... Um, chasing any of the new gear, well, then that again touches on the problem that I've been talking about all day, which is why go for anything? Um, and that that's something that I think they can fix with Black Armory. That's something I can fix. They think they can fix with the annual pass because you're basically enabling players to say, uh, well, there, you know, there's new stuff up, you know, upseating the established order has been like by one string banjo. You, if you upseat the established order, then you you bring people into a position of incentivization and not restrictive. Oh, I can get, you know, these new guns, these new perks. I'm going to go for it. And when I go for it, I feel rewarded for my time. And then you feel like you don't need to run that new, uh, that you don't need to run that old gear anymore. You want the new gear. That's when you're in a good place. When the new gear is motivating you and pulling your attention, not getting kind of sort of ham-fisted. Monster Mashy with the brand new Prime sub. I thought I'd turn alerts back on. Thank you for using your Prime sub here. Welcome to the Rageless. Last question. Rasta. I'm just going to keep alerts back off for the next time I run this. What if the infusion is limited to the release? Example, Warmind would be limited to 385, uh, and that was the power gap. Exceptions being exotics. Right, and this is where we, you know, we already talked about how the respecting player investment respecting player investment and giving new investment grinds that matter are kind of at odds with each other. And the reason they're at odds with each other is because there's so much content that kind of gets unseated. It stops mattering. If you do that, 
right? Hey, buy all of our content, get all this, get all this DLC. By the way, every you know all the all the loot, all the guns, everything, everything in there is worthless. And the reason it's worthless is because we uh, we unseated it, and all the new stuff's all that matters. You know. So that that's where those things are in tension, and that's why I said if it, they would have just saw, if they would have just went after unique perks or cool perks or perks that really got your attention. So you were, um, wow, this shotgun reload is really slow. So you were chasing new gear out of desire, not out of need. Well, I have to chase this new gear. Bungie took all my st- Bungie took all my gear from me. You know, well, I have to go after this stuff. If I don't, I you know I'm not gonna have any any viable anything. Oh, they they made all my all my viable year one gear is crap now. So, uh, zero then one. Do you think exotic drop rate is slightly too low? Having played since Forsaken, dropped only getting a few new exotics is disheartening. That was already addressed in a patch. So the drop rate is fine. It was the fact that there was a propensity for you getting year one gear. And that stemmed largely from the fact that that pool is so much larger. Um, so... I don't think we can turn this heroic anymore. I don't know if one of the... I think we missed the chance to. Last question. Hobbit Spartan. Uh, would nerfing damage on the Ikolash Shotgun be affecting and offering more loadout diversity, or do you think buffing other perks like box breathing or possible full auto slow-firing shotguns would be a good change? No. Basically, the issue right now is the Ikolash is an outlier, and if you start raising other... If you start raising other guns to its lethality you're going to create a similar problem where you're making guns that basically are stronger than powerful exotic guns and that to me isn't the answer the broken power hierarchy doesn't need to be doubled down on right that's why i keep saying ikolaj shotgun as soon as you take away its ability to kill bosses is totally fine in my mind if high rate of fire shotguns just did less damage to bosses i think it would fix a lot of this leave ikolas shoddy alone ikolas badlander um the perfect paradox you know in the primary these are all guns that are just so so strong against bosses and if you took that down a notch the escalation protocol shotgun would still be one of the best energy weapons in the game it would be phenomenal and then you would have that sense of you know i'm going to i'm going to use this i'm going to use this gun cuz it's it's good in these instances and it's not good in these instances like you wouldn't you wouldn't just be barrel stuffing every boss so and then that would lead people to use different guns because they're like, well, we don't need the Escalation Protocol shotgun because now that you've brought it down into its proper power hierarchy, now you can raise other guns or add other perks that are within that framework, right? Oh, sweet. Like, I got an energy weapon that is an a fusion and it's got this new perk on it and because of this new perk it actually is a decent replacement to my Ikolos. Right now it's really hard to justify doing that because when you do that you're not just losing the best energy weapon in the game, you're losing the best weapon in the game. So, and see, there people are always like, "Well, what about Galahorn Sleeper 1K voices? Why is it okay if they're so strong?" The reason I would say it's okay if they're so strong is because they show up so infrequently, it it doesn't necessarily hurt loot diversity. 
because I'm using I'm using a primary and my secondary or whatever you want to call it way more often than virtually you know any other than than power weapons. So it to me like think about it think about it. The hierarchy works. This the this the spectrum works. Primary weapons are used the most, so there's way more of them. Energy weapons are used, you know, second most, so they're the second most prevalent. Power weapons are used the least frequent and they're the strongest, so there's way less of them and they have way less diversity. Like it just it just the, the system works. The system works. The problem isn't the system, the problem is where the loot lands so that you you just can't that's why having primary weapons in the energy slot is just so dissonant and nonsensical. It doesn't help. It just hurts loadouts. It, it doesn't It doesn't do what we thought it was going to do when they were like, you can run three shotguns if you want to run three shotguns. The reality is that just allowed them to sort of secretly double down on this really stupid idea of putting primary weapons outside of the primary slot. I just... It just leads to a lot of, I I don't know, I just feel like it leads to a lot of confusion and a lot of frustration in seeing good loot just kind of stuck. Uh, Because I would love to see good loot not stuck instead of being like, well, I finally got this really great roll on my, you know, on this this waking vigil, but are you really going to run a waking vigil, you know? And even if you do run a waking vigil, what are you going to run with it? You're going to run perfect paradox. So, as with all of my content, if you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify, I appreciate that. You can tune in live, twitch.tv slash say no to rage. Guys that are here live, I am not shutting the stream down. I'm just doing an outro for the podcast. As always, those listening in the other locations in the past episodes, I appreciate you doing that. Please like, share, and subscribe.